0: Hi Rachel, what are you doing? I've just recorded episode 31 of my Lessons from Lost podcast. Wow, 31. And who are you talking to this week? A lovely lady called Emma Goodman. And what's Emma's story? Well Emma has lost both her parents and she talks about honouring the lessons that she learnt from them. That sounds really interesting. Are there any porcupines in this episode? No, but next time Emma goes walking in the woods, I'll ask her to look out for one. You do that. Let's find out more shall we? Hello and welcome to Lessons from Loss, the podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly what we learn from them that now positively guides our lives today. I'm your host Rachel Smith and each episode I chat with a different guest. Before we start I'd like to say how grateful and privileged I am for all my guests entrusting me to share their stories which are so very personal and which require courage and vulnerability to share them. Thank you and also to acknowledge the impact it has on you, the listener, please look after yourself as you listen. Today, I'm super happy to be chatting with Emma Goodman about the loss of her parents and how she has learned to honor their memory. Losing a parent or both parents is something nearly all of us are going to experience or have experienced at some point. And when in the right order of the natural cycle and rhythm of life, it's natural and in a way to be expected. that doesn't mean that it doesn't have an impact on us not only with our grief but also in providing an opportunity to to rethink and evaluate our beliefs and values about life and our own existence so in the simple natural grief of losing a parent there is always the opportunity to learn so welcome Emma. Thank you Rachel. Oh thanks so much for coming on the on the podcast Um, so you're parents passed away it was your lost your mum in 2008 and your dad then in 2015 but before we get on to that maybe you want to just sort of say a bit about your your family life.
1: Yeah um, so uh, me and my sister um, and my mum and dad had a fairly normal life I think like didn't have lots of money didn't didn't equally have not a lot of money, so we we did nice things. Um, and I, I just think we had a really nice, there's a lot a lot of nice there, but a really nice childhood. Um, two loving parents lived in a in a nice location in the country, so growing up with fields and trees and um, things around us, and and it and I think often is the case that you don't realise until. It's too late. Almost, how lovely our childhood was, and how that prepares you for the kind of person you're going to be in adult life as well.
0: Yeah, I guess it's that thing of we know ne- we often don't appreciate what we've got until no. we don't have it anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. And although I lost my mum, so my mum was sixty four. Um, so I realise that's not old, but she uh, she always said that she she had 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 a good life she'd had a good marriage had seen me and my sister had had two children see me and my sister grow up seen us get married seen us have our first children um didn't know whether we were going to have more but there was a lot to be grateful for and so it, although it was kind of in a natural order now I realize that pe- a lot of people said to me at the time 64 was young but although I because she was my mum she old, was older than me I thought 64 was Kind of old, yeah. but now I realise. <laughs> As that it we do when we're younger. Old. Yeah. <laughs> now I realise it. was young, and it came at a critical time. Really, I guess, because my daughter was a year and a half, so she was, uh, she was just heading into the terrible twos, maybe, which are challenging. And when you have children, that's the time that your parents kind of really are there for you. So it's really noticeable, like with childcare, or when they get old and they go to school when they're at sports days I think that's when you really notice the loss maybe even years later you're right about that you almost
0: sort of come back your parents are there when you're growing up and and then you know you you fly the nest and you're sort of independent but I think then when your own children come along there is you know often you know assuming that you you know you have a, a loving relationship with your parents which I'd I'd fully appreciate and not acknowledge that not everybody does but if you do that is often a time when you have your own children that you you go back for that sort of support and and counsel and and wisdom although of course when you were growing up <laughs> you, you never accredited them with <laughs> with being wise and and, uh, and knowing about life and and such things, and then when you have your own children, I think you kind of realise, like they, you know, I now need to turn to them for for advice and for support.
1: Yeah, and I think coming on here beforehand, I listened to one one of the podcasts and I read through most of them, and I coming on here, I almost felt a bit of a fraud because mine was in the natural order, but then that doesn't mean that it's any it's still a loss um and there'll be a lot of people that are in a similar situation that parents might may die at a similar time when their children are young and it it's it's hard
0: yeah absolutely and you know losing a parent is something that most of us as I said we you know we're we're going to ex- going to experience and and whilst it's not going to be a you know a a, a hugely traumatic you know it's not like if you're losing them in a in a very tragic, traumatic way, you know, it is the, the natural cycle of life that we, we will all die at some point. But it you know it's a loss that we're all gonna you know most of us are going to be able to relate to. So mm. yeah it's a I think it's a really important Sort of conversation and and chat to have about how how that experience was for you and and what you what you learned from it that would maybe mm. help somebody else who's who's either gone through it, going through it, or maybe anticipating going through mm. it. And
1: particularly, I think when they go to school, that's a real that's a real kind of crunch time because and and you're reminded of it. So that was maybe four four or so years later, but it really hits home then because you'll see. Uh, grandparents bringing the children to school, or you'll go to sports days, and there be both sets of grandparents. And and sudden sometimes it—I do remember one particular sports day, and I think sports days are quite emotive anyway. Um, and they played, they played uh, chariots of fire as the children were walking in. And luckily, I had sunglasses on, and I just, I just was crying because it like, just really hit me what I hadn't got. Because that music is so emotive anyway. Yeah. But looking around and seeing all the other other like extended families. Um but my sister always said to me, and I know this is true, but it's hard at the time sometimes, th- these moments are hard, but also to be grateful for what we did have and what we and, and how that has made us. But yeah, and, and absolutely I do, but sometimes in the moment I mean I never would have known that that would have that sports day at that particular time would have got me
0: but it did. Of course and that's the funny thing with grief isn't it or the strange thing about grief is that it just comes and hits you in the most the most unexpected times yeah And I suppose on something like sports day did you get also a sense of it was the loss of of your mum and so the support that she would have for you but it was also Gracie's loss in in not having yeah. you know her grandmother there yeah and also what your mum had lost
1: yeah yeah and also maybe memories of my sports days when mm. my parents would have always been there so there yeah there's probably all of those aspects not that you think of any of those at the time It's just this is sad, but yeah, probably there's probably an element of all of those. I would think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's all those sort of different different layers and the those ripples of grief that just spread out further sometimes than just you know the the sort of obvious grief that's sitting there. Yeah. For you, yeah. So you you actually did some some really lovely things to to honor your mum, didn't you? Do you want to share? Yeah, so mum was, um,
1: before, uh, so she died of cancer. Before being diagnosed with cancer, she did a lot of work, a lot of volunteering for our local hospice. And then when she was in that situation and then she she was in the hospice, um, we've kind of carried on various different fundraising things over the years. So the first year after I did the London Marathon, we did... I can't remember how long after, but we did 100 miles in 100 days. So we covered, it wasn't, we weren't, wasn't doing something every day, but over the course of, we started on this day and ended on that day, which was 100 days later, we did a 10K run, a, a bike ride of, I can't remember how far that was, other different things. And then it ended with a walk from our childhood home to the hospice, which was about, I think it was about 20 ish miles and yeah I can't remember how much we raised but we raised money that and that was I mean it was lovely it was me and my I think we did a couple of things separately but mainly it was me and my sister so just doing those things together was really nice because you're talking to each other and sharing memories and talking about what's going on in our life at the time and then we've also done kind of other organized things so there's a carol concert most years that we go to a moonlit walk, which we've done recently. They did a walk across the, the downs at Folkestone, so uh, started and ended in Folkestone, kind of up onto the downs, along and back down again. So it will always be a, a a place that will be in our heart and will want to help because we know how supportive it was, not only to Mum and how caring they were to Mum, but how supportive they were to us. And it almost feels that time that she was in the hospice she was there for 10 days it was almost like we was in a bubble Mm -hmm. um and there's lots of I mean a horrible time but uh, lots of special memories I remember it was in June I remember it being a really sunny June she had an end room with a balcony so we'd quite often be on the balcony looking over at the flowers and and lots of lots of Sounds wrong, but there were laughs. Equally, there were sad times, but you're together as a unit and it was, yeah, it was a a, a lovely time in some respects as well.
0: The hospices are, you know, I, I hear so many fantastic things about the, the work that hospices do in just being able to make, you know, someone's passing, you know, so much more, hopefully, bearable for them, but also... Terrible for the for the family and as you say you know why why should somebody in their last few days not have the opportunity to to have laughter and joy even if they're not particularly able to to participate in it you know they would have felt that energy in the room or or heard it and you know why why shouldn't they have that Mm.
1: And a care. I just remember the care as well. That I mean, her hair was really thin um, and from laying in bed for so long was a mess. But every morning they'd like comb it and you just think just and uh, massage her hands. I think just just really caring and lovely and making it the best it could be for her and for all of us, I think, as well.
0: And did you find that really helped being able to, you know, obviously you said that she had been a supporter of the hospice before she even became ill. Was that something to sort of carry on doing that? Did that that help you?
1: I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I I don't know whether actually as a family or with mum and dad they'd ever spoken about what would happen when the time came but when the time came and we had to make the decision the hospice was definitely the right decision i don't think i think it was it was the right place to be to be separate from home and from memories to be there rather than at at home which is then you've got to go back to that home haven't you yeah and that's right for some people definitely and i i, I don't yeah, i don't know whether you do know at the time what you want to do maybe some people do but when we the decision then at the time was it was right for us it was a struggle to get a place and it was lots of phone calls to and fro but we did get there eventually
0: I think you do know at the time what's what feels right and what you want yeah. to to push for yeah because my husband wanted to to die at home and and that's what you know we were was was able to to happen for him but Equally, had he expressed a wish to have died in the hospice, then that's that's what we would have pushed, you know, and, and tried to organise equally. So, yeah, so I, I, certainly in my experience, I think some, sometimes amidst everything that's going on, you do get kind of moments of quite intense clarity as to, mm. to what feels what feels right.
1: And I think over the years where we've done the charity events and lots of them have been more endurance kind of things, the thing that's always driven us has been, definitely for me, but I'm sure for my sister as well, that you know how those, we don't know, but you kind of have an understanding that the last few days or even when she was ill and having chemotherapy were hard. So running a marathon or walking... Thirty miles or whatever it was is not a little bit of pain. You can you can think well, that's fine. I can I need to feel a bit of pain to make this worthwhile, and I guess to get support from other people as well because I think people will it will resonate with people as well.
0: Definitely, that must have been really poignant walking from your childhood home. Yeah, to the hospice.
1: Yeah, I think in the end yeah that it was hard i think not only was it hard because it um it was it was the end of the 21 miles i think i we had some people there because it literally was it wasn't an organized event it just was us two Mm -hmm. but there were some family and friends there and you just suddenly yeah it hits you at how and because you're tired and i remember I don't know whether it was about halfway, a bit further. We knew there was a pub that we could get something to eat and we got there and we was a bit there, we was there a bit too early and it was closed and you're like, oh, we really <laughs> needed food. I really just wanted to sit down or, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was good to do. And if again, I think that was my sister's idea. I don't think it's mine, but it felt like, it, it felt the right thing to do as well that walk, well, because when she, when she left home, that was her. Although we actually did, we did go a different way, but that was her last journey from home to the hospice. So yeah, it felt a nice thing to do.
0: Oh gosh, yes, of course. Oh, that yeah, that must have been a, a really special thing to have done out of out of all the things that you yeah. did. Yeah. So, in what other ways have you honoured the memory of both your both your mum and your dad, or, or how? What sort of come up about honouring their that memory? That's that's special and important to you.
1: We lived more in the country, so we were probably outside more. I remember lots of picnics and stuff like that, and because of times how they were then, we could wander off and play in the woods for for the day and not be it would wouldn't be a problem. We lived. Uh, like a row of six houses but in front of us were six oak trees so I've really always kind of resonated with being in forests or woods or trees and 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 the like what the oak means like the mighty oak it stands there strong and from a tiny acorn it grows um so I think is I think I always had a love of outside but probably when you're growing up and you're a teenager you don't really think about that but definitely now as parents, we spend a lot of time outside cycling or walking, and it's really good because the children are away from Playstations and phones and you you get a chance to talk where you probably wouldn't at home. And often, so we've got a 14-year-old, 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, probably they don't always want to come, and sometimes they don't, but when they do we do always laugh and chat and it's just a nice thing for us to do as a family still. And so I think that may have come from, from there. And although like living on the outskirts of Maystone now I'm not in the country, but we've, we've got access to it down the motorway or parks near us. So I think that that's something that I've taken forward, I think.
0: Did your parents love being outside as well?
1: I think so. I mean, I think when growing up, I think mum did a lot of
0: like strawberry picking. Like when we
1: were, she didn't didn't really work. She often had school jobs. But I think previous to that, she would do like potato picking or strawberry picking or things like that. So she'd be out. And dad worked on, he subcontracted from farms. He was an agricultural contractor. So he would be out, albeit in a tractor, but he would be outside or kind of on the land. So I think there was definitely that
0: that kind of love of outdoors, I'm sure. Yeah. And did being outdoors help you? I mean, obviously, a, a lot of the sort of the challenge, the fundraising things you did were all outdoor things. But did you find that being outdoors and being in nature helped you?
1: Yes, I think so, and I'm I'm sure we would have. I I don't remember doing it with mum, but I distinctly remember when one of my friends and her grandparent died, and I saw them going off for a walk, like a maybe the night, the the day after it happened on the night, and 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 the day after, and I I know now how healing nature is. So I'm I don't we we may have done that. I'm sure we probably did. I'm sure we went out at some point. Because being outside is so healing, I think, and you just get time to breathe and think. And whoever you're with, you you can either if you're by yourself, it's just a nice time to kind of reset and think, or if you're with someone else, it's nice to chat and again
0: from any other kind of
1: distractions as well.
0: Yeah, it's a very it's it's there's something as you say very healing,
1: and I guess as you see other things. So if you're in a park and you see people or if you see, as two have just turned up, birds, you you kind of see life going on maybe. So maybe sometimes that's hard, but maybe that's that helps as well to see things carrying on.
0: Yeah. And I guess the exact example of that is that is nature, the nature of life happening. Yeah. Or the cycle of, of life happening around us. Yeah. In nature. Yeah. Yeah, with the changing of the seasons and just watching how how wildlife yeah, how wildlife and, and nature occurs. And some of the work that you do is outdoors as well, isn't it, as a fitness instructor. Do you do do you still do the
1: uh I don't yeah, I don't do, yes, I don't do that um anymore, but I still with personal training I my my preference is to be outside. And even particularly this time of year, so in November, it can be a bit, well, all of these winter months can be a bit grey. But actually, I think being outside and exercising, seeing you'll still see some kind of brightness on a grey day. And it's just so for, for body and for mind, it is so healing. And sometimes people, I, I, I think sometimes people are like, oh, no, I don't like being outside and are not convinced. But when they try it, I think they do feel the benefit. And I think a lot of people during COVID as well, when we were only allowed to go outside for the one hour a day, mm-hmm. some people who'd never really experienced a great the outdoors before, I think really saw the benefit of it and seeing the changing seasons and discovering footpaths so they never even knew were there. So I think that's probably opened a lot more people's eyes to how beneficial it is to get outside.
0: Yeah, that was a a great opportunity, wasn't it? To to be able, well, for for those of us who were um, who were furloughed or or not, or unable to to work, you know, to to have that opportunity to be outside, and it was such glorious weather, certainly, wasn't it? In that first in that first lockdown,
1: and I yeah. really
0: did feel for those people who perhaps didn't have the access to to open space, yeah, as as some of us may have done
1: the other thing as well i find and it, it obviously isn't anything i advertise is that people who inquire often have had similar experiences or have had so after um between my son and my between my daughter and my son and, and my mum the loss of my mum came in the middle of that i had postnatal depression and i've had a k- bouts of anxiety that I feel I I often notice that people are drawn to me who have had similar experiences. I've had an inquiry recently and she just said she'd had a difficult year. And then I think on the first session, she told me that it was her dad that had died. So that isn't obviously anything I put on my website, but it often happens that people are drawn to me. Um, and obviously the exercise helps if we go outside that massively helps but it's the talking and sharing and Mm -hmm. being able to speak to somebody's who been through it which is helpful I think on on both counts as well.
0: Yes definitely it makes you become then more relatable and that they're they're able to relate to to you and and you're able to to relate to, to them which is so important when it's that work that you do in terms of helping someone with their well-being yeah so what would you say have been the the sort of the biggest lessons that you've that you've learned from from losing both your parents but I suppose particularly losing your mum at that sort of quite crucial point of you having your own young family
1: I think gratitude although you don't realize that at the time but I think grateful for the grateful for the childhood and the the life we had and grateful for all those experiences but also what we learnt I again didn't realise till years later that um, I I probably did realise this at the time but didn't realise how it connected to me but mum and dad both had a really good work ethic um dad was self-employed mum worked generally were often school related jobs. So she only worked in term times, but whatever they did was they, they put their heart and soul into it. And it wasn't till years later that I realized, Oh, that's really me and my sister have really both got that. And that helped particularly with me running my own business with being self-employed. You have to be, you have to have a good work ethic if you want to (laughs) earn money so I think that and just that kind of just that I think groundedness that I feel that we both had just really helps helps with how I work but also helps with how you parent and the things that you did or the things that were how you grew up you kind of pass on to your children although that's difficult when you've you've me and my husband have got different parents that we're looking to bring experiences into but I guess there's a a mix of both but I think you bring it into parenting as well
0: absolutely and isn't that nice then that those all those lovely values that you've got and strong values that you got from your parents you know you will you pass on to your children yeah and they then will hopefully pass on to the next generation, and the next, and and so on. Yeah, and
1: I feel it's all just good life kind of skills as well. So I think Mum and Dad just had fairly normal jobs, but did well at ex, did well at them. And I think that's the same I'd want for my children. That I don't want yes, if they do really well with exams and school, that's brilliant. But equally, just want them to be happy and grounded and. And following the right path for them, and that may not they, that may not come from school. It may come later than that, so just being happy in
0: their own shoes. Was that something that you felt you learned from your parents or got from them? So
1: yeah, I mean, I think some of it you kind of learn and then apply, don't you? or you tweak or you learn from life experiences. I't didn't, I didn't do well at school and uh, with A-levels I failed my A-levels and that sent me in another direction but I think mum and dad were were always you did what you could we'll support you whatever you choose to do so whether you choose to take them again or go and work or whatever and that's so that actually it was the best thing that ever happened to me but so I, w- I wouldn't obviously encourage my children to fail their exams but also know that if they did we we would support them and their time might come a little bit later rather than at school to kind of gain those experiences.
0: Yeah, being happy that they're following that, that path, whatever whatever that path is.
1: Yeah, I don't think we had any pressure to um, – and uh, again, maybe it was the times like I now – although there shouldn't be a pressure, but the, like I remember when mine were at primary school, there was lots of children that were doing – after school clubs every day and that's the pressure often even though it's fun it's a pressure often on the children and the parents to get them here and there we didn't have that availability of all of those clubs so those kind of things came later so maybe things were less pressured a few years ago anyway so it was it was and maybe living a bit further out in the country so it was harder to get to to towns to go to clubs or sports clubs or whatever I don't know but so maybe it's it's difficult to compare isn't it with different
0: times yeah so with the gratitude is there any particular way in which you is that something that you do a specific thing to practice on a daily basis or is it just something that's kind of interwoven with your values and beliefs about life and how you go about it
1: uh no I do do a a gratitude diary every night so three things I'm grateful for from that day and sometimes there'll be sometimes it will be like having a which is a big thing but it's often when you can't think of anything it will be like having a roof over our head or having running water or sometimes it will be maybe something has resonated that day and it would be for our childhood or it might be cuddles from my son or it like literally can be Anything, but I think that makes you, and I'm also very keen on negativity, doesn't sit well with me. So I try where I can to flip things into a positive um, and focus on what I can do rather than what I can't do, because you can kind of get drawn down with negative and that's people and things. So I try and, and, and that was particularly true again in COVID, I think that there was lots of things that we couldn't do but what can we do and like getting outside or spending time with family or whatever you could do is much a much nicer way to approach things
0: was that something that came out of you having experienced the postnatal depression definitely yeah
1: yeah and i definitely i i had tried um meditating in the past and it i it never really i've never really cracked it and then j- luckily i don't know why in the November, December before COVID, I just got into a regular habit of meditating, maybe only 10 minutes a day, but it was, it was in my, it was in my daily or weekly kind of life. And that just served me so well for the, the, the next two years. And I think, yeah, massively, I know I was, I was a real yes person. And this, this came from mum as well, that if there was, which is not a good thing, but if there's a committee, I'll put my hand up. We need a volunteer. I'll put my hand up. And years later, someone said to me, unless it's a hell yeah, it's a no. Um, And I tried to follow that, but didn't. And I don't know what happened, but well, I I crashed definitely. So postnatal depression and anxiety, I, I, Got to a point where I'd like said yes too many times and thought I was superhuman, and now I proudly admit that I'm not um and i yeah you know, i like people will often with sleep will have a badge of honor that I can get by on three hours sleep a night or whatever, whereas I'm like no, I need my seven eight hours, and I feel good for that, and I haven't got my emails on my phone and because I know the things now that aren't good for me. Um, so yeah, definitely from that bad came good, and I think where my biggest learning has come from, and that I can share with people and and confidently share because I know I've been there and you can see it kind of happening and I can then say and they and often people aren't at the right time to listen mm. but i can I can still share and say I've been there and try this or whatever, and they they might choose to listen and they might choose to ignore, but i I can only share what's and hope that they
0: take something. Yeah. And sometimes they might not necessarily take it at that immediate moment. Yeah. But they might then reflect on it in coming days, weeks, months, or even years and just go, oh, yeah, I remember once Emma told me to, (laughs) you know, to flip things around or to, um, yeah, to. To practice gratitude or try meditating or or whatever the advice might have been that you had that you had given out
1: yeah so it's weird because I hadn't actually linked that together but now I can see that it does is that that my biggest learning from mum's and probably dad's death is to be kind to myself and to learn self care and and when I'd had um the bouts of anxiety when I spoke to someone about it, he said to me that my anxiety came from loss, so i was i i I didn't like to go like into London on the train because I was worried about this is is extreme, but terrorist attacks I didn't want to be away from my family and something to happen to me or they be together here and something happened to them. And when I spoke to someone, he was like, and I don't know how many years after my mum that was, but he was like on a scale of one to 10, how do you rate the loss of your mum? And still years later, it was a 10. And he was like, you've got an anxiety to loss. So you know how hard it is. Mm -hmm. And then you're scared of how it would affect other people. And only just you now saying that about like the postnatal depression and the anxiety it's like yes that is my biggest learning now from their death is to look after myself and be like you often hear people say and I know it's something that people really struggle with about self-care and looking after yourself and I definitely make sure I have time to get outside to meditate to do stuff for me not not um expensive things or time consuming things just 10 minutes a day that I sit and I'm reading or I'm listening to something or doing something for me
0: oh that's so lovely to to hear that you do that and to to share the ways in which you do it it's I think self-care is something that people do struggle with but I think it's also something that is becoming more socially accepted or understood so just knowing that actually just spending 10 minutes a day of something for you whatever that is whether that's you say sitting reading or going for a walk or just you know just gazing out the window looking at at something with a with an eye (laughs) yeah right yeah (laughs) it's raining here too (laughs) (laughs) and just kind of being you know just watching whatever wildlife or, or nature there is out there is that's all it takes isn't it just sort of 10 minutes or so a day to be able to do that and and has such a big big impact big yeah. makes a big difference
1: yeah little things make a massive difference and I, and I kind of apply that to everything like exercise you don't have to do lots of exercise just a 10 minute walk or 10 minutes on a bike or you, yes you can do more and more is probably beneficial but if you're doing nothing then 10 minutes is better than nothing and the same with self-care um like I was encouraging someone to read the other day and said just read a chapter she's like it's not worth it is it and I said are you reading at all and she's like no well then reading one chapter is better than not reading at all and the likelihood is you'll get so kind of engrossed in it that you'll read two or maybe three and that would be brilliant wouldn't it so yeah it's definitely like tiny steps or small steps make a big difference
0: particularly if you can do those then on a on a regular basis yeah thank you so much for coming on and and sharing those lessons and your experience of losing your your mum and your dad and and how you've honoured that memory it's you know it's just been a a really lovely sort of flow of conversation that we've we've then ended up with that all-important lesson about about self-care that that we all need whatever we're going through in life whatever level of or degree of loss that we're experiencing or any other challenging thing that happens in life it's self-care is so important so so thank you so much for for sharing that thank you for the opportunity oh thank you so much emma that was a lovely conversation I appreciate that losing parents is different for everybody depending upon their relationship that you had with them and the manner of course in which they passed but hopefully some common themes and of course that all-important lesson about self-care thank you so much to everyone who supports me in the production of this podcast to jamie farrell for the beautiful music and thank you of course to you for listening i really appreciate that if you have a lesson from loss that you would like to share please get in contact i'd love to chat with you I'll be back soon with another lesson from loss.